I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. We are a nightmare November. <laughs> I don't know why I just did that. I don't know. I was that, that was actually kind of scary to look at. Yeah. So I was. Uh, hey, hey now. I was like, I went, nice. well, you were you you went kind of like, uh, do I need a young priest and old priest here? Or <laughs> I dare you. I dare you. That would indicate I had a soul, and we both know that hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah that hasn't happened. So no, but. Uh, um, no, this is cool. We're in Nightmare November. Nightmare November, and um, you know we have a yeah you know, we've had a couple of events already, and we're you know we're rolling right along, and uh, not as crazy. I have to say, crazier was September, and I think next year is already stacking up. Yeah, we're already, that, but we're getting invited to lots of places. So if you would like us to be at your events next year, you better sure email. Drop us. us an email now because we are already filling up for 2024. We even have one. 2025 oh my god which is crazy so it, it is crazy and if there's events that you think we should know about email yeah. us you can do it on the website or you can email mark at eerietravels.com he would love to receive your emails and you know if you want to send him any cool looking pictures he likes yeah too. yeah i love i love pictures i yeah i, I they're easier to 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 look at and to read. Yeah. So, and but. you guys can always check out both on our events page and on our social media. We list our events. So we're going to get better at it, I promise. But you should be able to find out where to come and see us and, and visit right. and stuff. So. Right. And then, so now it's November and I thought of, well, there's two very famous UFO incidents that happened in early November. I thought you were going to talk about chicken, I mean, turkey dinner and stuff. So I'm actually kind of fine because I um, am in my pumpkin spice mode. Oh, still? Yes. Okay. Of course, I'm still in pumpkin spice mode. Yeah, yeah. Spice mode doesn't end. I, I've moved into hot chocolate mode, but. You are always in hot chocolate That's mode. That's true. I like, I like okay. white chocolate. But I didn't think you were going to UFOs. So when you yeah. said this in your lead in, I was like, yeah. where are we going? No, no, no. I, uh, okay. I think we definitely, we had an interview recently with Phyllis. And, oh yes, uh, that which uh, just aired, and then we so that put me in this mindset, and I started remembering. Wait a minute, one of the Gulf Breeze incident was November 11th, and then we also have another incident that also happened in November. So I'm going to take you down the wayback machine again. Oh, you know, I have buckled up. Let's go All right, way back. So, I thought for a minute there you were going to tell me that you are also reptilian. No, 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 not this time, not this okay, time. So, okay, so. Uh, that but, has not been uh, I was told I'm different. I'm told I was told I was different. Oh, was, that's I, one word. For I was it. told that uh, uh, I have contact with the Altarians, which is uh, not the reptilians, which is yeah, but the Grays. The, uh, I guess I feel like we're about to get a bunch of again. Phyllis did a whole thing on me with being a starseed and all that, so we'll we'll talk about that another time. But I just I was not getting out today. So like I feel like that will be a Christmas present. We're gonna have to that, do that. We may have to do that. We may do that later this year. But mm -hmm. uh, it was pretty excellent. So okay. So uh, all right. So we're going down to Florida. Back to <laughs> back to what we wrote about in our first book, Erie, Florida. Erie, Florida. Uh, available from fine bookstores. Okay, everywhere. stop the shameless self sorry, 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 all right, all right, all right. Okay. So, so there was basically a wave uh, or a flap, we would call, you know, in the in the field of alien encounters and a possible alien abduction in Gulf Breeze, Florida, which is right outside of Pensacola. For and anyone who doesn't know where the hell that is. So that's up in the panhandle. 
so, so that's um, almost the Alabama. I was going to say, so, isn't yeah. that almost? Yeah, it's right on the corner. So you got you've got Pensacola, and then literally Alabama is the next stop. Okay, so, and then yeah, a little further in is Destin and Fort Walton Beach and all that, which have their own wonderful histories and stuff. But so this was November eleventh, nineteen eighty seven. Okay, uh, is when it's at its peak. There'd been a dozen sightings ahead of this. So in the 80s. Yeah, so late 80s. I'm uh, surprised because I would have thought you were going back to the 50s or 60s. No, you'd think, you'd think, right? But no, this is, some people are talking about some of the, you know, this is like the most widely reported UFO, UFO sightings of its time. Okay. Where, and it's one of those divisive cases. So we're going to go into it with an open mind here, gang, but I have opinions and I'm sure you're going to have opinions by the end of this. All right. So anyway, let's get to it. Okay. Right? Let's right. get to it. There's All a right, lot so, of setup happening. Right. Right. Let's so go. November 11th, 1987, there's a local building contractor and his name is Ed Walters. Okay. And he's working late at his house and he sees a strange light outside. Now this has been all over the news of late. People are seeing weird lights in the sky. Now this is... Eglin Air Force Base is was, right there. I was about to say one of the largest. Pensacola Naval yeah. Base is right there. This is one of the biggest military, military areas yeah. in America. Yeah. And so people see weird things a lot. So that's what people have been saying. Oh, you're seeing military operations. You're seeing military classified military operations. People are like, saucers. Saucers. We're seeing things that aren't making any sound and all this. But anyway, so Ed's sitting in his house and he sees a strange light. And he goes out to his window to see, you know, what the heck's going on. What he sees is a glowing object hovering in the sky. And though it's kind of blocked by a tree. So he goes outside to get a better view. And as soon as he steps outside, he's like, he's described it as what was looked like a top, like a spinning top. Okay. And with a circle of bright lights underneath it. And then he said what appeared to be like windows or portals inside of it. That was his quote, portals. He quickly rushes inside and gets his Polaroid, right? Because keep in mind again, friends who are listening, there was not cell phones at, at, at that at, time. Yeah, had, there were not digital cameras at no, that No, not 87. You had the, and yeah. the little form, you know, the, 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 the maybe you got a Kodak disposable. Most of us had actual cameras, but he had a Polaroid and he snapped several pictures of this weird thing. And so he steps out into the street to get an even better view. And he's kind of getting closer. He takes a couple more shots. And then basically it sees him and it comes over to him. And that's when things get crazy. So he, okay. All right, Hold on. So, We're going to have to pause and go right. back in the, as we take tours in the way, way back machine, Erica needs to ask questions. All right. So 1987, this gentleman sees this strange object in the sky goes and gets the camera. I'm fine with that. But then decides it's a good idea to leave his house. And go further. And go further chasing this thing. How big did he say this thing was? He didn't really describe the size at this point. He's just taking pictures because it's up in the air. He can't quite identify the size. And he gets a little closer. And as he looks up at the craft, this blue beam of light comes out from it and hits him. And it the he says the force was so strong, it knocked him back a few feet okay and then he said that he was unable to move his arms or legs and he felt like he was being levitated and he was trying to breathe according to his quote trying to breathe but my chest wouldn't expand with the strength of this beam of light that was both pushing on him and levitating okay so then he hears a voice in his head we will not harm you 
That goes back to our boy, Woody well, Derenberger. Um, Woody Derenberger had a very different experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he wasn't hit by that blue beam. And he says, uh, please put me down. Please put me down. Screaming. He's screaming, but yeah. he can't breathe. And then he hears, some and then he smells something. There's some inconsistencies. So right. Far, he smells something, okay. piercing smell, little scent of ammonia mixed with heavy cinnamon. And then he said, then he smelled like it was burnt and he felt it like stuck to the back of his throat. Okay. And he started seeing images of dogs in his head. Okay. Um, was he drinking before this or? Uh, he was he working. He's a building I, contractor. That doesn't mean he wasn't I, drinking. And he said the pictures were coming to him like somebody turning a book, pages of a book in his mind. And then he kept hearing this humming sound. And mm -hmm. then the next thing he remembers, he's waking up on the ground outside his house and nowhere to be seen the craft, anything. He goes back to his house with this pile of photographs that he's taken. And he didn't say anything for like a week. And then on the afternoon of the 17th of November, he finally is like, I'm going to call the Gulf Breeze Sentinel. And he met with the editor, told him of the weird night six weeks ago, and then showed him the pictures. Six weeks? Or six days ago. Six okay. Days ago. Sorry, six days ago. And then he said, though, that he was given the pictures. And he was, you know, just helping this anonymous person report it. He didn't tell the newspaper editor it was it him. It was him. Okay. And then eventually days and weeks pass and these things start getting printed. And he finally admits it was him. All right. So that's the initial encounter. Okay. okay. So this... And no report from neighbors. He was alone by himself. And... There, there was uh, one neighbor said they heard weird noises. Okay, but that was it. Mm -hmm. Nobody else saw the flying, spinny, lighty, the the top beamy no. thing. Okay, which had not matched the description of any of the other sightings. The other sightings was all saucers, flying saucers, and stuff like that. Well, this is a saucer with the top. Yeah, like maybe yeah. it's a pop up. So maybe a navigation. On the evening of November twentieth, okay, he suddenly says, "I'm hearing voices." in my head and that hum is back and so he left what he was doing which uh i don't recall what it was i just remember he it was, just, it's fine yeah he said basically goes outside and sees a glowing orb descending and then it hovered hovers in place and lets him take a picture of that and then <laughs> several weeks pass again at about 3 30 a.m on the 2nd of december the family's pet dog wakes up screaming yeah so wait a minute he's got a family and yeah. when this happened and he heard, where is the family when he's hearing the these voices? The wife saw some of this, supposedly. Okay. Right. So he gets out of bed to figure out what the dog's barking at. And he opens the blinds and he sees this weird figure staring at him outside. About four feet tall with a large head and black eyes. So gray. Yeah. And he was so surprised that he fell to the ground and they basically kind of looked and then it just went away. And so he goes after it. Wait a minute, like walked away? Or? Yeah, it turns away from the window. And so he finally goes, runs outside to see if he can get a picture of this. And then the blue beam hits him again and paralyzes him. And the creature just disappears. And then once the creature's away, he, he's able to move. He's got the camera in his hand. So he takes a picture of the object again. And it's now hovering over a field where, where the blue beam had come down. And he saw another beam come down. And he thinks that beamed up. The creature, basically. And then two nights pass. And on December 5th, he's dragged from his sleep again with the thing hovering overhead. He just, he, he's he's done, right? He's like, he's flipping out about all this. So now, by this time, he's reported it. It's all over the newspapers. Does Guess he who keep comes reporting it? He keeps reporting every one of these. Okay. And he sends in pictures. 
So MUFON shows up. I'm sure they do. Yeah, this is the early days of MUFON. And, and MUFON is for the Mutual UFO Network. You know, okay. So they're basically people researching UFOs. Okay. And they want to investigate this because, wow, look at these pictures. These pictures are amazing. Mm-hmm. And everything's incredible. And this is probably one of the most incredible cases in modern UFO history, they said. And so they give him special cameras to say, oh. if you see something else, please take pictures. And okay. then they start collecting evidence from the other residents, right? From mm-hmm. all the other sightings. Uh, one of these even occurred on that way back on November 11th. Several hours earlier, a man named Arthur Herford okay. claimed that he and his wife witnessed the object that looked a lot like the top hovering over the trees in Pensacola. Okay. And then again, his account was corroborated by his wife. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, while MUFON is convinced and everything, a lot of others were not convinced by Got this. it. Okay. So most of these is the Center for UFO Studies, which is basically the rival to MUFON. They say, oh, this is obviously double exposed pictures because, and it's probably some sort of toy because. Oh, I'm seeing pictures of it. Yeah. Right. But where the UFO is blurry, but everything else is in focus. Yeah, that's it. Those are the sightings. So you're like, oh, I have have many thoughts on this right now that I'm looking at it. Okay. Okay. So, um, but Uh, they do have somebody else corroborated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his wife is, and then these other sightings are also corroborating. Okay. So now, you know, so now even those who did not accuse Walters of, of a hoax mm-hmm. are also still not a hundred percent on his side. Right. So there was a photo expert from NASA. I think his name is Dr. Nathan. Uh-huh. And he was asked by the national inquirer of all things to determine, is this real? Because we want to run a story on it. Okay. Which they you know, wait, the, wait a minute. The yes. Choir was finding out if something was real. Exactly. They were doing fact checking. Yeah. That sounds preposterous. Yeah. And now he even said his findings were inconclusive because he couldn't prove if they were or not. Now, what happened is, is a lot of people start coming out and going, well, Walters is doing this for the money. Is right? he getting money for this? Well, he says no. But now history, we know. Yes, he was. Uh, he had been written, he'd been paid a fee to give a, like a six-figure advance for a book on UFOs proof positive by Dr. Bruce McAbee uh, because he wanted to analyze the photos and stuff like that. So now his wife is standing by him during all this. And he also passes two polygraph tests and more bizarre objects are seen around the region, right? This is still, now Walter's, records even more stuff, right? And uh, he's getting accounts from others now. People are coming to him mm-hmm. to describe their encounters and he's reporting those. So he's become a middleman. Okay. So he basically is becoming a celebrity, right? In Florida. And in addition to that book deal, we found out he also got a television company and a, and a movie company wants to do the stories and the stories so he moved out of his house and he says it's because ufo enthusiasts are knocking on his door all day and night um and the property basically is empty for like a year because nobody wants to move there because it's the house where the ufo people come and knock on your door so a guy comes in and buys it and basically 
he discovers the problem. And we will come back to that. What? You're just going to leave me hanging? Yep. Through this commercial break. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. Eerie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. And what of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock, or the Satan spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio, to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. And we're back. Okay, so... (laughs) You saw the pictures. I saw the pictures, so listeners, obviously not while driving, but if you get a chance, you should... And we'll put a couple links. We'll put a link. We'll put some links for these images, because I'm going to reserve my thought till you tell me unless you want to ask me what i presently think but you can either that or tell me what's going to happen because all right so so go ahead and just what's your initial response looking at those pictures no freaking way right no way all right like mm-hmm. my but i think my initial thought comes from the fact 1987 that it's 1987 but i that's mean it's a polaroid camera it's not no it's deep. true but it's i think it's more you know you've introduced me to a ton of ufo stuff i have my own ufo stuff that we're going to talk about our own personal ufo stuff on a later episode but like it it looks like now i would say it looks like a very fancy um light cover chinese lantern yeah or something like that like i just go this is the exact opposite of way any ufos and on top of it just from a aerodynamic standpoint like all the ufos you hear about right have a degree of aerodynamics that go with them. Like you can tell whether it's a an aircraft or a saucer, like they're mm-hmm. meant to fly through space. I look at this thing and I'm like, that's meant to be in the Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> yeah, so, like, all okay, right. So, so tell me, our boy Robert Metzner, or Mincer has, mm-hmm. uh, has bought the house okay. after a year. And he's lived in the house for a little while and he wants to install an ice maker in his fridge. So he has to go up in the attic and dig through the insulation and when he does he finds something and what he discovers it's Florida, so it's rats yeah no something that walters had left that he had forgotten about up there okay. buried under the insulation and it is the model no 
It he is left it in the, the attic of the house. It's two foam plates with two slightly smaller foam plates with paper rings in between them onto which windows had been drawn. And now what was worst about this, what makes it so much more damning, the paper that it's drawn on, remember he was a housing builder and stuff yeah. like that? It's got his handwriting on the inside with designs for another house that he made this whole thing out of. Uh, I don't know how that's worse than stupidly leaving the evidence behind in your attic. You would think of all the yeah. things you would take out of that house, you might want to take the UFO that's been invading your life. So Walter's quote, when this comes out in the paper, is this is only a fool would leave behind such a piece of evidence. And that the model had clearly been planted to discredit both him and the other many sightings that he and others have experienced. Now he and he elaborated that the house sale records and 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 things that were that his papers were related to a sale that fell through two years after his initial sighting in 1987, and he said that often people found searching that people often found stuff searching in his trash, and some must have retrieved the paperwork from there to do this. And now when they did go through that paperwork, it was from 1989 which was two years after the sighting. So he also went on more defensive and said, look, the model is nothing like what I took a picture of. So do we now think the guy who bought the house built this model to say that he debunked it? So people are thinking. Okay. So uh, this is a, this is a journey. That so then, there. yeah. Now, so 1990, another article appears and this is a boy named Tom Smith, who was a teenager at the time said he was the one who helped take the pictures and he was the one who helped build the model. And so, so now another person comes come out damning him. And then what right? does he say that he doesn't even know Tom Smith? Yeah, and that that he actually had used a trampoline to jump up and down on over and over again to flatten the grass and the vegetation to make the imprint for where the craft would have crashed. That doesn't even, that stuff. doesn't make sense. No. That's not how so, trampolines work. Yeah. And he thought it was just to take a joke and he didn't want to get caught in the fraud. So that's why he's finally coming out. Oh, okay. So now Walter says this is all just to decredit, discredit him, you know, and that Tom Smith's lying while this other stuff is all lying. Basically, it winds up being two distinct camps. Mufon that believes and Mufon that doesn't believe. And they split. Literally. Wow. Split. Now, what is interesting is the landing spot that he described and, you know, where that guy said he just jumped up and down a trampoline. There was no, there was a lack of growth in a perfect circle for 18 months with oh, no wow. signs of any chemicals or anything to do it. You know, he said that the whole, the blue beam effect was that he peeled the back of the Polaroid a little bit just to allow enough light to through, but None of the photos had that, you know, ever exposed. So uh, somebody's claiming it's a hoax by saying they did something that couldn't have caused what yeah. the end race. Okay. Okay. So this is fun. So we have we have opposing MUFONs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and then Smith tried to take a few, you know, he said he had learned the double exposure techniques from Walters, the kid. And so he took a few photos. You know, these were these were, you know, obviously fakes versus Walters, which could not be 
proven or disproven. Okay. So it's it's really interesting. And so Walter still speaks on this subject. He still says that he was he's been framed, uh, that the FBI did so, this. So yeah. Why why does he say the FBI did this? What is his reasoning? He you says know? that they came into his house at one point. Uh, his wife let them into the house and that they apparently went up into his attic at one point and then left with no for no reason. So that that's when they planted the evidence. Why so. would the FBI out of all the governmental agencies be the one to try to discredit this human? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. So uh, that's what really makes Gulf Breeze so interesting is that a lot of this stuff you know, you could make an argument on either side. Personally, I think he set it up. I think they're fake because when you we later on, he was asked to take more pictures with his original camera, and he did. And those pictures are online. No, just you know, with a couple couples that believed him and stuff like that. And if you take just simple editing software and go into those pictures and brighten them and brighten them and brighten them and brighten them, you see the model, you know, like, a, like a double exposure. Model. Wow. So I think, yes, he did. You know, did he see some weird stuff and he's doing like the, our ghost watch girls where I've, I've got to prove that I'm not crazy. So here I'm making these pictures to show I'm not crazy. Um, did that's possible too. But... come forward and say they actually saw exactly what he's saying? Or they got blue beamed or anything? Did Nobody anything? else says anything like that. Now, now, Gulf Breeze, I have tons of evidence of people who have seen weird things and described them. And uh, there's been some pictures, but most of them are like black triangles or the disc or silver shape. Nothing like these tops. Uh, you know, so that's why I'm like, Mm. Yo, it doesn't doesn't click. That's so bizarre. So, but he has a book. He has a book. It's called the Gulf Breeze UFOs. Uh, or the UFOs of Gulf Breeze. I have I have a copy at home. I have a first edition uh, because I collect weird things like that. Did you read it though? I've read it, and it's some of his you know encounters with the aliens and some of their devices that they wear, spacesuits and things like that, are interesting. So. It's um this so what's interesting to me though about this conversation mm -hmm. with you is you are a very much a believer in what injured Cole experienced. Right? I I think yeah, he saw something he didn't understand. I think I think uh what Woody Derenberger experienced with injured Cole. That's what I yeah. meant. Yeah, yeah, injured Cole, the Woody Derenberg. Why are you more reticent to think that this is not that picture? that picture when we did the light editing on it when I, that was early 90s and i pulled that picture you know it was got early internet days 97 98 or something and we did early light testing on those images and it came up i was like there's the freaking craft it's it's a double exposure it's literally a double exposure and and so that's why i'm like yeah yeah i think i think he's a i think he's a fraud which is sad because i want it to be real Wow. I want to believe. I want well, to believe. So he, now let's go to Okay, so he's another a November sighting. Yeah, so okay, in November. We're but we're gonna go forward in the Wayback Machine this time. So we're going to November 7th, 2006. Oh my gosh, there so are cell phone cameras yes. then. 4 15 p.m. and not in Gulf Breeze near an Air Force base, not in the middle of nowhere, rambunctious 
you know, mountains or mountain town or anything like that. Nope. Chicago. O'Hare International Airport. Wow. One of the busiest airports in the world. Sudden UFO sighting. What? Yeah. And the FAA refuses to investigate it because this UFO was not seen on radar. So obviously it was just weather. Okay. So explain what happened. Okay. Around uh, 4.15 Central Standard Time. That's 5.15 Eastern for anybody paying attention. Right. Yep. So Chicago Air O'Hare International Airport gets a report that 12 employees from United Airlines were witnessing a metallic saucer-shaped craft hovering over gate C-17 to the point where they were like, it's not making any noise. It's hovering there. They were actually going to, this ramp was pushing back another flight which was a uh, flight 446 that was depart- de- departing Chicago for Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, uh, no. And the employee says, hey, there's something above your airplane. And the, the pilot mechanics see it. And they go, what the hell is this? It is definitely, quote, not a cloud. This is something weird. It's metallic. So they call air traffic control. Now, air traffic control says, nothing on radar. Don't know what you're talking about. Does anybody get a picture of it? A few. A few. And it's 6 to 24 feet in diameter. Wow. Uh, Dark gray in color. Several other independent witnesses outside the airport also see it. One described it as just this crazy object. That's what he says, literally. Wow. A crazy object flying over this plane on the ground. Now, it takes off at a super high speed just as they're starting to get into position to do more studies. Oh, wow. Yeah, you got the picture of it, right? I got the pic. Now, that, that looks like a UFO. Right? It's something. Yeah, that is definitely, and it's weird, and it's got a bunch of different pictures of it. Yeah, a lot of people took pictures of it because, hey, cell phones, we're a thing. Everybody's like, oh, there's no, it's all blurry photographs and all this. Well, it's 2006, so I think they're greatest, but. And it's also from a huge distance, but you can absolutely see see it. It looks interesting. And the fact that people are taking pictures of it, so many different people are taking pictures of it. It obviously is not just a cloud. And now when it takes off, it punches a hole through the clouds above it so fast. Oh, wow. That it literally opens a hole in the sky. Wow. Um, now, so according to the Chicago Tribune, they did this wonderful article on it. And it was the disc was visible for five minutes, was seen close to by dozens of people, ranging from pilots to supervisors, and also heard they'd all heard chatter on their radio about this. Oh my God, Charlie, you got to see this. You know, and everybody runs out to see what the hell's going on. So the FAA said, we don't have any information on this. Don't know what you're talking about. Never happened. And wow. uh, so Chicago Tribune files a Freedom of Information Act. We, we love that. And the FAA ordered an internal review of the air traffic communication tapes. And they do get a call from United Airlines supervisor 
to the FAA saying, what the hell is this? And the FAA says it's a weather phenomenon because there's nothing on the radar. So we are not investigating this incident. Wow. And um, now the weather conditions that day, according to one astronomer, says that it could have been a hole punch cloud. What is a hole punch cloud? That's a very unusual weather phenomenon. I'm glad you asked because I pulled that up. This is from our wonderful friends at Wikipedia. <laughs> it's also known as a fall streak hole. And a fall streak hole, uh, also known as a kevlum or a hole punch cloud or punch hole cloud or sky punch, uh, is a large gap, usually circular or elliptical, that can appear in cirrocumulus or altocumulus clouds. They're basically caused by super cold water in the clouds suddenly evaporating or freezing. And it's usually triggered by passing aircraft. So wow. they're because they're un, you know usual appearance, they are frequently mistaken for UFOs. That's um interesting, but it doesn't sound like that's what this was. So yeah. and so now the National Aviation Reporting Center on anomalous phenomena, which is the which is uh NARCAP. I love that one. Oh, wow. uh, they published a 155 page report on this sighting uh, and called for a government inquiry and improved energy sensing technologies. Because anytime an airborne object can hover for several minutes over a busy airport and not be registered on radar or even seen visually from the control tower, that's a threat. That is a huge threat. That is a huge threat. So, um, do they do anything about this? That's that's the last report, and no one's done anything since. So, question for you. Yes. Um, this one sounds real. Yes. You think this one's real? I'm 100% positive this is the sighting that we all wanted, you know, the sighting that we all needed, and, and it was in 2006. Yeah, no, and... it's definitely not like an older yeah. double exposure, because you can tell yeah. that these pictures are taken if you will we'll include a couple of them, but the, you can tell they're taken from cell phones at that time. There wasn't the zoom technology everybody no. has now. No, no. And but... they're grainy because they were grainy back then when you went that far out trying yeah. to get a picture. Yeah. Is that, yeah, exactly. I have trouble trying to take a picture nowadays with my old 26 megapixel phone. I sometimes get some blurry photos and stuff if I'm zooming in too far and stuff like that but that's also because of my epilepsy oh uh, yeah, yeah uh, but i would have been freaked the hell i would have been like get me off this plane plane right yo yo that, that dude's not real yeah <laughs> all over again but that thing isn't what is that yo i don't want to be on this plane i don't want anything to do with this um and the fact that the government just immediately is like nope not interesting because it didn't detect on radar a lot of things don't detect on radar including some of our own Aircraft that we designed specifically not to detect on radar. Well, I also yeah, think so. if I'm flying in from another galaxy, I probably have my shit together that I'm not being detected on yeah, radar. Yeah. And the fact that he's hanging out over Chicago O'Hare, yeah, it's a little weird. I don't, you know, I don't understand the meaning of it. I don't understand, you know, you know. Of course not, because we're not aliens. We're not, we have no idea what they're here yeah, for. Now this one has been referred to on a lot of pop culture stuff, even Boston Legal. Oh, wow. Uh, did a thing on it. Uh, and then uh, History Channel, of course, has done a couple specials on it. I think it was on an Ancient Aliens. Uh, and um, um, it's, it's you know, it's but it's not nearly as reported as I feel it should be. I mean, people talk Phoenix Lights, Phoenix Lights, Phoenix Lights. Why don't we talk about the O'Hare incident? Yeah. You know, 
Well, uh, the government doesn't want us talking about exactly. And this was, I like I said, this is the one that makes me go, hang on a sec, something happened, and we need to investigate this. We yeah. need to, we need to know how it got in, how it did. This. Uh, one person said it just kind of warped out, or just kind of blinked out of existence. Uh, but then the other person, yeah, several other witnesses said it took off through the air and left that hole in the sky. Um, now, again, those holes in the skies are from planes usually or something passing through um, and they cause those little ice crystals to to make those little holes and stuff. It's basically because something something makes the crystals form. So that meant something did pass through. It does, yeah, that's it, not an atmospheric phenomenon. No, that sounds it sounds very, very real. So I like that we ended on the very real one. Instead of uh, the, the guy who had a model in his attic and We'll see that a model in the attic, if that was disproven, but it sounds like something. I think he built a second model later using the later paper. I don't, I think the original was still, he made something and then he had to do it again later when he had to reinvent it and retake some photos. Well, you're if you leave it in your attic. I think he left it in his attic and I think that was, that was a mistake. And, you know, um, the kid coming out saying he helped, I think that was just a kid saying that just getting notoriety I yeah i think that... he was the one who was lying but uh, that doesn't mean that doesn't make the other guy suddenly free and clear right yeah um so there was there was more to this story than you know than meets the eyes so. no that's weird but i you know travelers why don't you tell us what you think yeah and tell us about your ufo stories oh, we yeah. love to hear them those are some of my favorite stories and um uh, you know, one, I, I had several from Pensacola from people who saw USOs, unidentified submerged objects, that things, you know, were flying underwater, basically, and then would come out of the water and still not make a sound, hover over their boats and then take off. And um, like I said, and we still get, I still get a bunch of emails from Pensacola area of people seeing weird things. Now, one of the, another famous incident was uh, people reported seeing eight military helicopters from Eglin chasing a flying saucer. And they all reported all over the press, all over the news. Uh, and then Eglin says, nope, don't know what you're talking about. Didn't happen. That training exercise. Yeah, training yeah, exercise. helicopters. You know, it was, you, know, it, you know, and it happens. And when you're up there, we were up, Gulf Breeze, Carrie and I were doing photos for Erie, uh, Erie Trials where the, on the southbound lane where the original, that is your travel destination gang for Gulf Breeze. You can go to southbound drive, and that is where Ed Walters said he saw his UFOs. And uh, if you're flying in, you know, flying from Chicago. And uh, you know, you find somebody of, flying you in. Yeah, go out of O'Hare and you can see that. But if you go to that location, we went there. And as we were driving back from there, several black helicopters were scrambled nearby and flew past us. Well, on, and on if a military base, you're going to have that. Now, whether or not yeah. anybody saw them chasing something, we already know that even with the congressional committees, there's so much stuff where the government's like, don't talk about that. Yeah. So we're, again, we're still on the cusp of learning what we're going to learn probably yeah. sooner rather than later. But this was fascinating little journey. I thought you'd enjoy this one. I, I did. Know. I did. And, uh, you know, we want to believe. And so with that, uh, gang, you know, please, you know, check us out on eerietravels.com. Drop us a line. Again, you can mail them to mark at eerietravels.com and I'll get it directly. You can also uh, please go to Paranormality Magazine and you know vote for us in the top ten podcasts. And you know we're just continuing Nightmare November. We've got a lot of cryptids coming up. We got a lot of spooky things coming up. 
and gang, keep watching the skies. We want to believe too, and we will see you on the other side.